Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the new issues and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, is Jeremy Feinstone, which is no small feat because that is one exhausted man you're looking at. He was in Hello. Las Vegas. <laughs> In Las Vegas for Double or Nothing Weekend, back here with us today. He has been uh, burning the candle at both ends, but he's happy to be here with us. I'm happy to be here with you. And uh, just a wild week of wrestling. We have a Super Juniors finish up to talk about. We have the semifinals, the finals. Uh, we have a, premiu- a preview, holy moly, a preview of Dominion, a preview of Dominion coming up. We're going to talk about some more of the injuries and uh a major tag team that is both injured and has some news uh, regarding it uh, and how that affects New Japan. So lots to talk about here, but let's just start with uh, Jeremy. Your busy, busy weekend out in Vegas, AEW double or nothing, weaves in and out of New Japan wrestling, and especially this time of year. What were your thoughts on what you saw over the weekend? I felt like I began opening some type of door to a forbidden area starting this weekend. <laughs> got a real vibe from that. Uh, no, I got in on a, I got in on Saturday morning and uh, I met up with uh, Gary Gonzalez and Dave Meltzer and we watched Night of Champions and then we watched the final two matches from the Best of the Super Juniors final so Dave could grade them for the newsletter. Uh, and then... Did the sweet party, the whole deal then. We did the Wicked Spoon the next morning with maybe mm. five or six hours of sleep. Wicked Spoon at the Cosmopolitan is probably one of the greatest brunches I've ever had in my life. Uh, tremendous stuff. Uh, then we went and watched uh, the Major Beaks from the Best of the Super Junior Final. Uh, myself and Mr. Dave and Corey Lieb. And then we went and watched Double or Nothing. And then I flew back home, took care of life stuff with the wife and the dogs and everything yesterday uh put the production stuff together for this show for you and i today and here we are this is the uh the last step to an amazing weekend where i got to meet a ton of great people from the fight game media community uh michael rubio who is a local neighbor of mine and uh, you know miguel on the uh on the channel here uh got to meet him and his lovely wife uh Lisa Gifford and her partner Jake, uh, cool. Jason Robar, a number of people. Just wanted to shout that out. Uh, one of the highlights of the weekend, if it wasn't the wrestling, was the uh, time I got to spend with new friends. That's awesome. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And speaking of friends, our friend Brad here is watching with us live. We appreciate that, Brad. Wanted to mention, of course, for those of you uh, who uh, are watching this, we will also have this available, the audio version of this, as a podcast a little bit later, available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, leave us a review, a little bit of feedback. Give us Five stars always helps uh, the show out a lot, gets in those algorithms, and uh, gets us into those searches. So any help is a appreciated in that respect that'll be up a little bit later tonight so for the but we're in the meantime we're live here on uh, youtube we have have a lot to talk about and we're going to get into that best of super juniors and then lead into dominion since that's the the way the story progresses as well of course the winner of super juniors getting that junior heavyweight title shot so when last go ahead doesn't it feel like all bets are off in new japan right now it's a little wild, isn't it? They're, they're going with some, they're going with some new blood and shaking things up a little bit, and and it seems to be working. That's something else I'm going to get into regarding the crowds on some of these shows right here. The, this breath of fresh air seems to be hitting home with New Japan fans. It's in ghetto we trust, right? Because it just seems yeah. like this guy knows his his people and knows his audience. Uh, ghetto, of course, being the New Japan Booker as well as one of the wrestlers, and uh, 
he seems to feel like an, an injection of new faces on top is what's in order. Uh, I think he's probably correct. I will admit, I thought El Desperado was going to win this tournament this year. I did too. I, I thought that they were going to make him into, uh, if Hiromu is Liger, they're going to make him Black Tiger. If Hiromu is Tiger Mask, they're going to make him Dynamite Kid, whatever you want to say out there. But it turns out that perhaps the story on this is for later. You know, Desperado mm -hmm. can't win the big one. You know, he chokes in the clutch, that type of thing. Uh, in the meantime, they decided to go with somebody that we did not necessarily have on our, our radar uh, going into the tournament. As the tournament went along, we began to see what was developing, and uh, it ended up being pretty exciting. So when last you left us, folks at home right there, we had had the A block finals and the B block finals were coming up. And so went into the final day of block play there at uh, the Osaka Edion Gym in front of 819 fans, four men vying for two spots. You had Yo. Who had a really good tournament and really showed a lot of personality he hadn't had before. Uh, Master Watto on a long winning streak at this point. El Desperado, who's the at this point the veteran, and I had him as my favorite to win the whole tournament at that stage. And then Robbie Eagles, <clears throat> newest member of TMDK, who was getting the new faction push and has always been uh, part of the scene in, in this tournament. They've always treated him well in this one. God, so, that felt like so long ago. So yeah. long ago. <laughs> Master Watto got a win over Kevin Knight in a really good match. Now, right. the way this was positioned on the show, this was uh, third from the top. So you knew that Watto was going to win because if he had lost this one to Kevin Knight, it would finalize too many things and we'd lose a little drama. So we knew that Watto, when the, the way this one was positioned, that Watto was going to win it. It was a good match. And uh, that put him uh, in uh, contention for those two spots. Now, after that, they had to get a little tricky. Yo took on Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Right. Kanemaru won, I think, either his first two. Yeah, he won his first two, then lost about five straight. Went on a long losing streak. That wasn't a good sign for Yo, if you know Ghetto's booking, because he likes to throw those little twists in there at the end. Uh, Kanemaru ended up working Yo's leg all through the match. Uh, he's been doing that figure four uh, thing the whole tournament, just working mm -hmm. legs, getting in and out of the figure four in a million different ways. Very smart worker. And this one, there was an especially good rope break spot where Yo really sold that he was dying, clawing to get to those ropes. There were some really good rope break spots. No one does those better than New Japan anywhere, anywhere. The, like the, the rope break spots, as far as somebody just persevering through a submission hold and barely getting That was rope. a theme throughout the entire tournament, especially in the yeah. near end. Absolutely. And then they had a very clever finish, I thought. Kanemaru countered the direct drive into a roll-up at the kickout. He grabs Yo's legs, put them in a figure four position. Yo, trying to defend the figure four, doesn't realize his shoulders are down. Kanemaru ends up really wrenching back on the legs. And even though they're in the figure four position, his shoulders are down and he pinned him that way. So it was a bit of a, almost like he distracted him with the figure four attempt and then got the win. Damned if you do and damned if you don't. He had him. <laughs> it was a really clever one. And uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Yo coming very, very close, but not quite. And if you guys will remember last week, we split the difference thinking who was going to be the guy to go on. I said, yo, Conway said, Watto. And we think we know how that one is going to go. <laughs> so tip of the cap to you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And then at the end here, we had El Desperado and Robbie Eagles. And the way that this had played out with Yo's finish and Watto's finish, this was everything to play for. Winning your end, basically. And that had uh, a very psychological edge to this battle. There were a lot of head games in this match. 
Uh, and uh, in the meantime, they they still worked a fantastic match. Numero Dos was countered into a destroyer by Robbie Eagles. At about the 15-minute mark, he clamped on, Eagles did, the Ron Miller special, which led to another terrific rope break spot as Desperado tried to survive it. Of course, Desperado managed to rally. He hit the guitar day on hell for a really good two count. And then there was a wonderful scramble where these guys were working in and out of Ron Miller and numero dos and slipping some pin attempts in there with escapes and reversals and roll-ups. Just a lot of fun to watch. Desperado ended up getting the numero dos on after he hit a reverse dragon screw. So the one where the leg kind of goes out instead of, of in, which just looks like it has a lot of torque on the knee, so it's a good one to really sell it. And then he clamped on numero dos and got the victory. This match was fabulous, by the way. Uh, it went just under 20. Desperado ended up leading the Robbie, 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 oi, oi, oi chant afterwards. So Desperado really acting like a veteran baby face through most Honor of this one. warrior kind of vibe. A little bit, yeah. He's he's He is uh, honorable now, and this whole uh, baby face turn with the strong style faction seems to have uh, served him well, and uh, yeah, very gracious in uh, victory. And in the end of the night, it was first place in the B block, El Desperado, second place, Master Wado. So we went into the semifinals on May 26th at Yogi National Stadium in Tokyo, 1130 people uh, for this one. And uh, we found out a couple of things from the commentary as we went into these semifinals. We found out something very important, which is that Taiji Ishimori, as of now, uh, is not uh, needing surgery. He just needs rest. And uh, that's going to be something that's uh, very important. It looks like that could uh, help him a lot. Of course, any any kind of surgery on your neck is, is nerve-wracking. Doesn't mean he might not need it down the road. We'll see how recovery goes. But as of now, they're going to try to do this without surgery. And I just want to mention a comment from Brad right here. He said that pin was brilliant. Uncle Nobu rocked it. It really was cool. It, it was just a very, uh, very uh, well-worked finish there so yeah definitely props to both those guys and then the other thing we found out was that uh, dan maloney separated his damn shoulder on night two for this tournament and (laughs) fought his way through the whole thing right there so uh, if you were wondering about his tough credentials and i was not i didn't need any convincing but uh maloney working that tour on a separated shoulder very impressive i will give him respect on that one and he got better as the tournament went on. Right. I, I'm not going to say that he rose to the level of some of the guys. I, I Mike Bailey made the biggest impression of all right there. But uh, Maloney earned his money with his final block match. There is a wonderful brawl with Clark Connors that he won by count out, by the way, the last night block. I'm going to give him props for that, too, because that fight that went all through the building and just looked vicious. You don't get that from the junior heavyweight division in new Japan. Very often no. you get a lot of dives, you get a lot of jumps. You can even get some technical matches on the mat when you see things with Kushida and you see things with other guys through the years who have done that. And this was just a not hardcore match, but it was a solid brawl between two guys that really know how to brawl. Well, and again, that's unusual for the he- junior heavyweight division in New Japan. Added a dimension to the tournament that was already one of the most varied and high-quality tournaments we've ever had. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. So Maloney ends his tournament on a high note with his best match in the whole thing. Uh, hopefully his shoulder is okay and he can just right? rest it up a little bit now. But uh, yeah, uh, there you go. Those, uh... Mark Connors did not have the tournament that I thought he was going to have, but better days ahead for him. And, you know... I think given the quality and the caliber and the performances of everybody in the tournament, 
I have nothing to complain about. Hmm. So we have a couple uh, comments on Maloney here. There uh, are a couple of other comments. Uh, Brad mentions Maloney's finish to Robbie Eagles was spectacular. Yeah, just throwing Robbie around to get him into position with a separator shoulder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it takes a lot of trust to go up for that uh, that uh, killer driller move right there because essentially you're up in an almost a, a old school backbreaker position and then dropping him down into a pile driver. But uh, Maloney is a big junior. And uh, it has a lot of power there, and, and uh, he is able to do that uh, safely. And uh, Colin's with us now. Good to see you, Colin. Glad you're here. Man, I was wondering about that. I hadn't heard from him yet. It's not a, it's not a Tuesday without Colin. Hi, Colin. There you go. So, uh, yeah, and we go on to the National Stadium in Yoyogi, uh, which is a part of uh, Metro Tokyo there, uh, and we found out the good news on Ishimori. Then there were a couple of things on the undercard that are worth mentioning here, Jeremy. The first one was in the very first match. It was Kosei Fujita and Robbie Eagles getting a win over Clark Connors and Ghetto and Fujita pin Ghetto. How about that? That is very, very unusual. Now, yes, Ghetto is the guy that protects everyone in Bullet Club. He very frequently takes the fall for his own team. With that being said, the idea of someone who is still referred to as a young lion pinning a main roster guy virtually never happens. In fact, I can't remember the last time I saw it. I'm not saying it's happened before. I know it's happened before, uh, but I do not recall. the. It's last like time. once every three years they pull this kind of thing. And well, I've been, I've been keeping track for about four and I haven't seen it. You know, so I thought it, there was something like that around 2018, 2019. Yeah, I don't remember. If it is, no. I don't I don't recall. Anyway, so, yeah. point being, but that just shows you how rare this actually is. Now, right. Ghetto being selfless did not ask anyone else to do it. He did it himself. But it's another push in Fujita's direction. And they already separated him in a way by making him part of TMDK as a young lion. But then putting him over a main roster guy shows you that they really feel they have something special in him. And it also put covered not TMDK done by in a way. Say again? And also put over TMDK in a way in that their training of Kosei Fujita allowed this to happen. Whereas, you know, you could argue that the training that the other young lions wouldn't have allowed them to be canny enough to pull this maneuver off. Yeah. And then uh, we moved on a little bit later. There were some other preview tags that were not of note particularly. Nothing wrong with them, but no real storyline in them until we got to, I wanted to mention this. We had Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kazuchika Okada in a non-title match against Shota Umino, Oscar Loibe, and Bolton Oleg. And this match... Huh? Delightful. Delightful! <laughs> Oleg is still very, very green. And there were a couple of times he was utterly lost during this match. His footwork <laughs> was all thrown off, and uh, this was a rough one for him. And, and it shows you just how carefully they choreographed his Oiwa exhibition a little bit here. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that Oscar Loibe was really good in this match, too. And this guy's coming along quite a bit. Uh, Loibe's really showing a lot, both in his facial expressions, his fire, and his work is getting a little bit better. Uh, Oleg also was doing his strikes like he was very worried about hurting somebody which is something you just have to work out in time. And it's it's not the worst thing in the world to have a guy who's that freaking strong mm-hmm. and not, in, not trying to hurt people, which is great. Uh, but I think that they'll probably get him uh, to work on his strikes a little bit, lay him in a little more. 
Uh, but uh, if I'm taking those strikes, if Oleg wants to go easy on me, he can. That's fine. But uh, yeah, there's just a few things that we saw there. That this is as green as Oleg really looked. But uh, he's going to come along. He'll be he'll be fine. But it just showed you just how new this guy really is uh, in that match there. So I am uh, I am hooking up every moment I can of the uh, Tanahashi Ishii Okada trio mm. because i don't know how long it's lasting but there's just little things about it that i have just tremendously enjoyed about the act. little <laughs> subtext to almost everything when they wrestle Absolutely. each other it's it's it is it is a good time and i think we're going to be seeing more twists and turns in this i don't think it's mm-hmm. only to set up what we're going to see at dominion i think there's going to be more to this as it goes on uh colin mentions give me oleg and oscar one-on-one when they're ready this was good yeah, I, Oleg has a little ways to go, but Oscar's just about there. And Brad noticed it too. He says, I really, really like Loy Bay. There's something there with him. I absolutely agree. And he's developing an interview style in English in his post-match comments that's pretty good. And almost every young lion says about the same things at the very first, which is, I just have to learn and keep improving. And I know I'll get that win someday, that type of thing. And uh, Loy Bays adds a little bit to that. He elaborates upon that. He certainly says those correct things, but he has a little bit more pizzazz to his promos too. So if you can have some charisma in the ring, a little bit of fire as a baby face and have a little bit of pizzazz in your promos, well, that's about as good a start as you're going to get on a young lion. So a lot of potential here. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the fact that they've invested and remained invested in him, uh, all this time, even with, all the uh, other lions kind of elevating around him just says that they are committed to him for the long haul and they see something in him and it's starting to shine. Yeah. I think, I think he's a little bit better than, than Nakashima and uh, getting up there with uh, Oiwa and uh, Fuji is probably on a level above right now. I would say so too. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Hey, again, there's not a dud in the bunch. I don't think, I, I don't think there's a dud in the bunch. It's really remarkable. Once they get in the ring, how good these guys end up being. And Oleg will get there. Oleg will get there. So we're up to the semifinals in this card now. And the first one was Master Watto and Mike Bailey. And here's their, uh, we have our graphic up here for the folks watching on YouTube. And that looks really good. So uh, we have, uh, this was almost all Mike Bailey early, uh, foreshadowing the finish a little bit, going to give him a shine. Uh, Watto got uh, a somersault plancha in, but he was back to selling soon after. This was mostly Bailey uh, early on. And once Watto got a Vindaval on him, that began to make the match a little bit more even. We were around the 10-minute mark right at that point, and so things started to even up, and it wasn't all selling for Watto. Bailey went for his big spin kick. That's the one where his opponent's in the corner, and mm-hmm. he just does the really, really good-looking spin kicks there as he kind of... Uh, uh, sort of a video game move where he kind of jumps and spins in the air and tries to get the kick, but Watto blocked it and hit the uh, resetamente. I think I'm starting to learn how to say that now. Uh, Bailey hit the knee moonsault on the apron later, which looks horrible to do, <laughs> horrible to have to take. You know, just imagine a guy doing a moonsault landing with the, uh, his knees on your chest. Ugh. Then something happened that I was certainly not expecting. He hit the ultimate weapon, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, there it is. They're going to go right here with Mike Bailey, which I kind of thought we were going to get Mike Bailey and El Desperado sure. in the finals. Sure. If you a lot of people me, did. A lot of people I, did. I thought so. So, uh, yeah, and Watto kicked out. And you could tell that the crowd expected that to be the finish. Of course it did. They protected that move the whole tournament. But as it turns out, he kicked out, and it was a shock, and the crowd really responded to it. That was about the 15-minute mark. He went for the Flamingo uh, driver, but 
that was turned into a tombstone by Watto, and the guy starts rallying. Throughout the match, kicks to Master Watto's arm had hindered his attempts to hit his high-angle German. That was the story they were telling here. He managed to, he kept kicking him in the arm, kicking him in the arm a couple of times. He tried the high-angle German, he'd grab his arm. Ah, can't quite lift him. So uh, he couldn't do it, couldn't get that move. And when Bailey had the advantage, he tried the spin kick again, but this time he was intercepted with one of Watto's own. Watto came out of the corner and hit his own spin kick. Hard. Those, yes, those kicks against each other, by the way, gnarly. Yes. I, I watched that match twice, and the second time I watched, I'm like, those kicks look like they hurt. All of them. Then Watto sucked it up, grabbed a hold of him, hit that high-angle German, and won the match. And so the crowd loved this. The crowd was all, was all about this and uh, got the victory and went on to the finals. And I noticed that the commentary, I was laughing as he won because I just thought, how in the world? Are Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton going to crap on him and still manage to put this over? And it, it was something that they have, they did improve on a little bit there. They were a little nicer to him, but it, it is interesting to me. In after the semifinal, my note in the, my notebook was everybody else shows heart and guts, but they make Watto sound like he's dumb and lucky. And there was uh, a, and, there was a move that uh, that happened, and it was part of the story of the match. And even Kelly and Charlton fell for. Uh, mm-hmm. Wado was going to do a springboard and he paused for a second and then he went for the springboard and Bailey caught him in a rear naked choke coming off of the springboard off the outside of the ring and immediately Charlton went with the oh there's the Wado from last year like he he can't quite seem to catch it but it was all a part of the story that like they played off of that rather than it actually being like a fidget of Wado happening in the match and I thought I thought that was a little bit meta, but uh, played well for what they were trying to do. The commentary was better in the finals. They realized that maybe we should actually put over the guy being pushed for a change. That'd be nice. Uh, but uh, you know, so that, that that improved a lot in the finals. Right? So uh, Colin was pissed when Speedball lost. I was definitely surprised. I, I I know. And uh, then he also uh, Brad mentioned Speedball has the best, most precise kicks in the game today. Good lord, argument here. I, I the guy's just phenomenal in this tournament and. The style in New Japan just really meshed well with him. And, and Bailey's good a lot of places. It's, it's not like he's been floundering <laughs> elsewhere. But, uh, you know. This is the uh, best I think he's ever looked. Yeah. And what was it when uh, we had Mike on uh, before, Mike Gilbert? He, I think he mentioned that Bailey has is between stories and impact a little bit. Not that he's not doing anything at all, but he's a little bit between his main stories. Yeah. And uh, this has uh, really made him, I hope, part of the new Japan landscape. I can't fathom that new Japan won't want him back at other times. Uh, it's just a matter of whether the schedule works out, but, but talk about a guy who came in and really showed up and became part of the part of the main event mix. In my mind, you could put Mike Bailey in there anytime you want. And I'm interested immediately. And that's not easy to do in this league. I feel like the only reason we have multiverse United too, is because they can do bait, uh, Speedball and Will Ospreay that night, to be completely honest, because they didn't get to do it the first time around. Let's hope. Let's hope. So that moved us on to the next match, which was Teton and El Desperado. So I missed. So I missed out on the first one. There's no doubt in my mind, El Desperado's winning this one. By God, you know he's going to get this. This is the whole idea here. And uh, that's like we all thought. <laughs> Lij was at ringside, uh, and that's something that's a story they've been telling. Was since Sonata left, they have been backing each other up in the big matches. I don't know 
if they're going in the direction of we just need to unite now because we lost a man and maybe we learned a lesson from that, or if Sonata was the more aloof influence that led to them not supporting each other in the past, but whatever it is now, they're in each other's corner for the biggies now. And uh, I think that's a nice little story to tell, especially since they're baby faces now. So, and they don't interfere, you know, they're the only people that interfere really is house of torture and stuff, but it's a great dynamic uh, with the yeah. crowd. Yeah. And it really showed up during the finals of this tournament. So, uh, so this gym and Yoyogi allowed Teton to do a big dive off the balcony. If you've ever watched the matches from Arena Mexico, there is a giant video screen with and you come out high up in Arena Mexico and you go down a flight of steps. And the flight and on either side of the flight of steps are video screens that are ads during the match and then promo videos for the wrestler being introduced as they're walking down the aisle. It's very cool looking at Arena Mexico right there. And but it also is very conveniently uh raked and all that so that there is a spot where you can jump off onto your opponent on the ramp which always gets a big ooh and ah out of the arena mexico crowd well teton realized hmm, it's about the right size isn't it so he managed to work his way up there and do a really good looking dive that japanese crowds are not used to uh there and perfect uh, that, catch by the way oh yeah fantastic the entire and, sequence was amazing very well done and didn't take too long. The only other criticism you have with some of these balcony dives it takes, a, you know, 10 and a half minutes sometimes to get up there. And the guy's got to just sit there and wait patiently for someone to jump off after him. Teton got this done in a, a good, uh, a reasonable amount of time. Uh, Teton hit a, a, a somersault plancha, but then he missed a double stomp to the floor. He jumps off the top rope to the floor with the coup de gras, basically. And his mm -hmm. leg just went rigid straight up and down just looked like a horrible impact on his hips and knees uh but he was okay but that looked ugh, yeah they made a lot of injuries look legit and they weren't or at least they weren't enough to stop the match but uh desperado he sold like he sprained his ankle when he like fell out of the ring at one point titan was dying on his legs every every 10th move Continue. I'm sorry, but I was just <laughs> just so much to it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And uh, yeah, and uh, Brad mentions one other thing that's really cool about the LIJ stuff. He loved Hiromu telling Teton to have a seat to rest during their tag team match the show before, so he wasn't tired for the final. That was uh, kind of cool. Yeah, thoughtful. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. You know, Hiromu's a you know a playful guy, so it's it's fun to see stuff like that. And uh, Numero Dos versus the Indian Deathlock. That's the uh, submission move for. Titan, and of course, it leads to that immortal, uh, a kind of a Muda lock type of uh, move. And uh, but they were going in and out of those. Uh, a numero dose was countered with a destroyer at the 15 minute mark. And then Titan managed to get a the coup de gras after missing it to the floor. He did get it in the ring, and then he locked in the immortal and uh, got the tap out. So there it was. And uh, I was very surprised to be writing down that the final was going to be Watto versus Teton, but man, those were two terrific matches to get us there. So you're telling me that they had Desperado built as an absolute beast and a monster for this entire back half of this tournament, only to have him put over Teton to make Teton look even better as a result? That is some chess level booking. It works out if, you know, the, the storyline is that Desperado chokes in the clutch, which means, of course, some year he will overcome yeah. that and win the thing. Like uh, he, like not being able to beat Ashii when he had it in the bag uh, about a month or so ago. 
So maybe the not winning the big one thing is the story, the, the mountain for him to climb next. He's held the title before, of course, he's, uh, but he hasn't won this. He hasn't won uh, perhaps a, in a big singles match at a, a thing like that. So I, I think that that might be the story they're telling here, Jeremy. Yeah. He can't win the big one until he eventually does, right? Yeah, you know, uh, the Strong Style Stable has a lot of, a lot of people that you want to root for that might be coming up short in a lot of ways uh, in a lot of different scenarios. And so that would play into that kind of mentality. Uh, I don't know. There, He is beloved by the fans. He's on a great run right now. So how long does that goodwill last until they're just like, oh, he's not the guy that uh, New Japan wants to get? So there's a, there's a little bit of roulette there. But, you know, as we say, in ghetto we trust, you know. This is a story that works in Japan over and over again. It's a bit of tr of a trope of Japanese wrestling. And that whole thing of coming up short, coming up short, coming up short, and finally getting it. Japanese crowds are more resilient as far as they don't give right. up on people with a few losses, especially if they realize this is the story you're telling because it almost always pays off, which helps, right? So yes. uh, Kenta Kobashi, one of the greatest wrestlers that ever lived, famously lost, I don't even know how many. He was he was Owen 50 or 60 some in singles matches before he finally won one. And then he would never beat the other pillars. He would always lose to Misawa, lose to Kawada, lose to... Taui until that one time he overcame it and then the place just went berserk there's uh we just saw the story with waka skiyama in uh stardom where she was right. oh and something incredible you know just, but always trying so that whole thing of trying your best and just falling short but persisting it hits home culturally in japan with the fans and when that story is paid off i mean when waka pinned in a takahashi it was a big pop i don't even want to tell you what the pop was like when uh, Kobashi finally beat Tawei and won the Triple Crown. Uh, it's when it's done correctly, it's a big, just it's a burst of emotion. Moment. It is, and I think the Desperado is going to get one of those I in hope the so, next man. year or two. Yeah, that's, I do that's too. all I want out of this is that he is he's deserving of the big moment. Yeah, I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. So I was on board with him like from that from that match with Hiromo when he got his mask ripped off and he wrestled without the mask. Uh, that's happened to him a couple of times where he just wrestled with the mask hanging around his neck or whatever, just keeps firing away. And it was a brilliant match. I just thought, okay, this guy is indeed uh, as special as I was hoping he would be. So we went on to the finals. Now we've got a whole finals thing. And there was some news on the undercard of this one that we're going to talk about on May 30th, at the Ota Ward gymnasium, 3,132 people in the gym for this. And again, we're coming back from the pandemic and, and the crowds are open now. There aren't the restrictions. But Jeremy, I thought this was interesting. 3,132. It's the first crowd over 3,000 in that building since Dragon Gate, Dangerous Gate 2019. So one of their big shows. And in all the time we go to the Oda War Gym, it hasn't gotten above 3K for New Japan until that. So this is the first time in almost four years and around four years that uh, it has gotten over 3,000 there. And, and that was similar to Nagoya, uh, Dra a Dragon's Gate big show. Uh, they don't really have pay-per-views, but that type of major show that everything builds to was the last crowd as big as New Japan drew in Nagoya. Well, now this is the biggest crowd in this building since a uh, Dragon's Gate major show in 2019. So I'll tell you, uh, sign, signs of pointing coming. up. We should have seen it coming that it was Wado's hometown. Well, well Osaka is <laughs> Wado's hometown. 
Oh, Osaka, my bad. Yeah, he's from Osaka, which is where the, the Dominion match is going. That's so. what it was, my bad. No, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, just all in all, uh, save that banger for that, and I ruined it. <laughs> no, sorry. It's uh, it's one of those things where this tournament seemed to uh, captivate the fans here. This was, and then of course on this show, you did get to see that some of the heavyweight stars in the undercard. But you know, do you, do you oh, know if it sold out before the final was revealed, or if it sold out because the final? Well, Oda Ward wasn't sold out. We're not sold out. It hit over 3,000. I apologize. Yeah, I I don't know uh, when the tickets sold for this one. I I don't know. But, uh, yeah, good, uh, very good crowd. So It's it's reflective of of a quality product. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into some of the news on the undercard of this show before we get to the final. We had the House of Torture against Chaos. Evil Yujiro Takahashi and show against Goto, Yoshihashi, and Toru Yano. And... This match ended uh, with a no contest, which is very rare for New Japan. Nine minutes and seven seconds. Now, why did that happen? Well, because Aaron Hinare and the Great Okan came and sat ringside. And at some point, the House of Torture were so perturbed by this that they went and attacked them instead of just their opponents in the match, threw them in the ring. The referee had to throw it all out because all these teams were brawling with each other. Now, as we've talked about before, the match at Dominion was supposed to be Bishamon, that's Goto and Yoshihashi, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Aussie Open, the tag team champions at the time, and House of Torture, with the story being that Aussie Open was so annoyed with House of Torture that they don't deserve a title shot. Bishamon does, but we know we're not going to get rid of House of Torture because these guys are going to keep attacking and doing underhanded things. So we're just going to get them all in the ring at one time, defend against both of them at once, get it over with. That was the story. Well, then Mark Davis uh, had to have his knee scoped. He's not going to be able to make the match, so the title was stripped from them. What I thought was an interesting way of getting out of a House of Torture one-on-one match, which Bishamon is a really good tag team. They are not miracle workers. And so they uh, were going to be stuck with, with uh, Yujiro and, uh, and Evil here, and we're going to get a one-on-one. Yoshihashi and Goto can only do so much. So the way they were going to – I thought this was clever, that the other quote-unquote tag team in – United Empire, Hanare and Okan said, hey, those are United Empire's belts and we want to be represented in this as well. And so by having these three-way brawls break out uh, in a couple of different instances, they have an excuse now to make it the three-way match it was originally designed to be, only now the other tag team from United Empire is involved and the titles are vacant. Whoever wins gets the belts, which is what would have happened right. at Dominion anyway. And we're kind of back where we started just with the replacement team. You just have you know, the proxy team and everything else is set as it was. Yeah. And there you see right there, they just were plopped down at ringside while, uh, while evil was fighting with, I believe that's Godo on the outside there. And they just decided not, nah, we're just going to hit them too. We're just going to con all front and center right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah, he's man spreading, isn't he there? Uh, but there you have it. Uh, so we'll have that one. And then after that, we had, the uh, a very interesting match, uh, I thought, with Shota Umino teaming with El Desperado, Ren Narita, and Mike Bailey. That's a nice little uh, mix uh, against Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii, the six man tag champions, and Taguchi. Ryusuke Taguchi got in this one. Fun match, and uh, not too much to tell about this one till the very end when Shota Umino, who is, of course, obsessed with. Kazuchika Okada went a little crazy and just threw a table, a ringside table in Okada's threw a table face. table at him, Steven? <laughs> Flattened him. Flattened him. Okada sold it like he was knocked, not cold, but certainly loopy as all hell. 
And then he made the challenge saying he wanted a shot at the never open weight six man tag team titles. And he had two partners in mind. My fingers, Jeremy, were crossed because here's the thing. We had Wheeler Yuta, who's a perfectly capable wrestler at resurgence. Mm -hmm. I like Wheeler. Nothing wrong with Wheeler. He's the only member of the Blackpool Combat Club that isn't a dream guy for me in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's a little shit. <laughs> I know. I like him. He's good. He's good. But no, Audio he's, cool. he's a little shit. I love him. <laughs> but, but Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli are both guys that I have been dying to see in a New Japan ring. And so my fingers were crossed. He said, I will be there. John Moxley will be there. The crowd loved that. Love the idea of Mox and Okada going at it again. And Claudio Castagnoli. And I was so happy to hear it. And I've been banging the drum since he left WWE for this guy to be part of G1. I think Claudio is a new Japan wrestler. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> and I, I think, think you're right. I think he is perfect. A perfect mix for Okada, for Tanahashi, for Suzuki, for Ishii, for... Good grief. Naito and Ken Claudia, this guy is so good. And, and of course, I mean, Brian Danielson too. I mean, for the love of God, but uh, you know, one of the best wrestlers on earth, let's get him in here. But uh, this is something that I've really been hoping for. I'm going to get my dream, Jeremy. I'm going to see Claudio in a new Japan ring. Couldn't be happier with this one. So here's where it gets interesting. And here's where the AEW factor comes in after the anarchy in the arena and Blackpool Combat Club that has just been named to be Fighting Okada. Mm -hmm. Kenny Omega, <laughs> with my own two ears and two eyes, laid down and gave his drama performance speech and indicated that he had a couple of friends that weren't in AEW that mm -hmm. he was thinking that he might need to call to you know help them with this Blackpool problem. And uh, I do believe that the Omega Powers were a tag team earlier this year in January. <laughs> and I do think that I have referenced this in the past that Omega might be returning Okada for some shenanigans down here in the future. As well as, as well as a certain Kota, Kota, Kota Abushi, who is also, from what I understand, not, not persona non grata. He is welcome in it. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you may see him there. You may see him in AEW. All bets are off when it comes to that. And my friend, this is about to escalate into something much larger than I think you and I realize. Claudio Castagnoli going from one direction to the other is going to indicate that uh, quite a few people might be coming in the other direction relatively soon. Maybe June 7th? June 7th? We might be seeing some New Japan people there. And... Claudio being one of the guys to kick it off is absolutely the, the play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is a point. Daniel the, grand pri the grand prize can come later. It can't yes. is, yeah. There is a point where da Danielson is going to uh, blow the roof off the doors, if you will. When blow he the appears. roof off the doors. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is going to be an explosive <laughs> moment. But oh that's his gorilla monsoon. Have we mixed metaphors like that? That, that is actually that is actually a fantasy football reference. From literally Matt. hanging from the rafters. <laughs> the ridiculousness of it. But Claudio deserves his moment as well, and yeah, this yeah. is going to be his moment, and he is going to open a lot of eyes. Bro, the whole Dominion card is contingent on this Blackpool match getting mainstream interest in this mm. whole thing, and 
Uh, Claudio is a guy that's going to get the main, tri- main trim interest for the people watching Ring of Honor, AEW, who've known WWE. If you're interested, he is a gateway guy for this match. That's well put. Yeah, he's a gateway. He's a great way, a gateway drug for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I like it. And something that Brad uh, mentioned here, which is worth mentioning, he's absolutely yes. right. Speedball and Desperado's bromance is wholesome. Is Speedball now part of Strong Style? I hope. Hey, I, you know, why not? If it, you know, they do need more members of that group, by the way. I, I think that that would be a fantastic addition. And yes, uh, I am all for it. If I yeah, have a vote, I vote yes. So Bailey and Desperado after the match were kind of a uh, high-fiving and things. And then all of a sudden they start smacking each other, giving each other quick little kicks. And the people thought, are they turning on each other? They looked we thought it other. was a Dominion match at first. They started laughing, <laughs> and, laughing and hugging in the backstage area. They're just talking about how much they like each other. They both gave each other a kiss on the cheek. Uh, so uh, these two are, these two are down with each other. They like it. They both, uh, both friends and fighting. Uh, have you, uh, have, you've seen Ted Lasso, right? Oh, geez, are you kidding me? Uh, football is life. tonight. So I'm just football like, is life. Uh, the the speedball version is in the backstage of a New Japan Pro Wrestling ring, just quietly saying, wrestling is life. <laughs> oh, man. I'm uh, I'm mentally preparing myself to say goodbye to Lasso tonight. It's going to be a tough night. I, I so. hope they might come back for one more season. But if the magic is, uh, is it tonight, what a run. My hope is that, uh, from all accounts, that he's he's done with doing Ted Lasso, but maybe not done with all the characters. There might be spinoff uh, in there somewhere that. for somebody. Me too. So moving back to this, we had a final after all these things. So there was an Lij uh, Just Five Guys tag match that there nothing wrong with it. Again, well wrestled, but no real storyline implications. So we move on to what was a phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Best of the Super Juniors final match between Master Watto and Teton. 24 minutes, 48 seconds. Felt like half that long. LIJ and, and Tenzan, Hiroshi Tenzan, were, were at ringside. Of course, Tenzan for a long time has been portrayed as the mentor to Watto. Might be literally true for all I know. It turns out we did find out that Watto in the very beginning was Tenzan's young boy. I don't know if people that are listening and watching know this uh, probably our audience does. We got a smart one, but uh, young lions are assigned to top guys and their job is to, of course, carry the luggage, uh, sometimes wash the gear. Uh, when Tomohiro Ishii was a young boy, he had to mix drinks for Riki Choshu, for instance. He had to get him his vodka, his vodka sodas uh, so and stir him with his finger. He didn't have time for you to go find a straw. Uh, Choshu not uh, Choshu was a tough guy, man. There, no germ was going to go get Ricky Choshu, uh, but uh, stuff like that. You're you're basically an errand boy. I, I would imagine that uh, Okada's young boy goes and gets him his Yoshinoya before his matches. So uh, t- things like that. So it turns out that these two have had some sort of connection for a very long time. Tenzan has been portrayed as his coach at ringside uh, before, and he was there at ringside for the finals. So uh, in this one. Back and forth match. It was absolutely beautiful. Some highlights were a springboard moonsault and a tope suicida to the outside by Titan. They teased a count out after that, but of course, no one was going to finish this one by count out. Uh, there was a really good kicking sequence back and forth at about the 15 minute mark. Titan has really good strikes, uh, which isn't something that every luchador has. But he has it, and uh, he's a little more well-rounded when it comes to that. As part of it is a Japanese experience, and part of it is just being him being a very, very talented guy. Uh, and I think he's one of the best luchadors in addition to working this style. 
Uh, Vin Duvall for Watto began the wear down portion of the program where these guys started getting their uh, submission holds on each other. You saw the death lock from Titan. You get the, you know, Vin Duvall. And uh, at the 20 minute mark, he had the death lock locked in, but Watto fought off the immortality lock, which was cool. He was doing the whole bridge back and Watto was struggling mightily to keep those arms and hands from locking under his chin. And he made the ropes. Fans thought that might have been the finish coming up. Mm -hmm. I think they believed that he was going to lock in that immortal lock. So when he made the, the ropes, it, it was made so a, dramatic, made a few more believers out of that crowd, didn't it? And uh, Titan uh, kicked out of the uh, Sentakaku, which is that, uh, the high angle German, we have a name for it now there, the high angle German, he kicked out of that, which uh, surprised everybody. There's the Resetimente, which was reversed into La Mystica for two. Uh, after that, uh, a coup de gras, go jump off the top rope with the double stomp. That one only got two. So we're at, we're at that portion of the program now where you realize everyone is only like one or two moves away. Uh, but after that coup de gras, Watto managed to regain control and hit that high angle German and then reset reset again, a really hard one really drilled him into the mat and got the three count and master Watto, the best of the super juniors 30 champion. And I have to say in a tournament that saw some of the most varied and entertaining matches, one of the best tournaments I have seen going all the way back to the mid nineties, when you had some of the best wrestlers in history in these tournaments, it's as good. It's been as good as anything I have seen since then, and there have been some great tournaments over the years. This was worthy of a great tournament. It was a great match, a great final, two wonderful performances. It was absolutely worthy of best of Super Juniors thirty. And what can you say, Master Watto? I didn't have him on the radar as winning this thing at the beginning, but did. when it when Nobody it was, was all going. when it was all over, he did not look out of place. No, he uh, he earned it. Here's, here's how highly I thought of this match. Watched Night of Champions, watched Double or Nothing, watched all of the Super Junior ma like main matches. This was the best match of the entire weekend. This was, wow. this was the best match. This was better <laughs> than the, the four-way title match at AEW. Better than Gunther versus Ali. This was it. Go out of your way to watch this match if you want to know what the best match of double or nothing weekend was because this was it and i know other people agree with me and you'll see that soon. <laughs> brad is right on board he said when this was over i called this match beautiful art the way they built the match was done so perfectly the most random final ended up being one of the best matches of the year yeah well said i uh did not so, i had both of these guys losing in the semifinals, and then they delivered a final that may have been better than anything than than i i believe Go ahead. One of one of the things that I went into this best of the super juniors was I methodically kind of crossed off people that I felt had a legitimate title shot for the junior heavyweight junior heavyweight title at some point uh, recently, and I had Watto in there, but he was in the four way at Wrestle Kingdom, and so mm -hmm. he didn't really get his one on one shot. So if you think about the story being that Watto fought to finally get his one-on-one -on -one shot that he was robbed of when he consistently pinned uh, Taiji Ishimori in the fall with those flash pins, and then Hiromu and was it Desperado that came out as well and challenged for the four-way, 
who's to say that Wado wouldn't have won that one-on-one match then? Now may be his time to shine. Wado Mania might be here. He's got his one-on-one match for the person that stole the title from him. Well, it's not with Colin. He said he's not. I wasn't a fan of this outcome. I still don't really get the weight of the Grandmaster deal. They haven't really explained what the weight of the Grandmaster exactly is or who the Grandmaster is. Is Waddle supposed to be the Grandmaster? I don't know. After uh, and, the junior that, heavyweight at this point. Yeah, he's... he's the. I'm not saying that that weight of the Grandmaster thing makes a lot of sense. I don't think it does. I, I will agree there. It's a weak part of the character, but I think that Watto's journey has been effective. And they have asked him... He has done everything they have asked him to do. They asked him to step up and get in there with Desperado, Hiromu, and Ishimori at the Tokyo Dome. He did it. Uh, He's been a pretty good wrestler all through the year. And then when it was time to really roll in this tournament, he did. And he delivered some amazing performances in here. So I think that he has done everything they've asked him to do. And I like him a little better than Colin does, but that's okay. That's all subjective. That's all subjective. That's fine. I I do think that his effort has been rewarded. I want to take back something I said that I thought Watto needed maybe three weeks ago. You ready for this? I do not think Watto needs to go T anymore. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was was my thing. Watto needs to change. Maybe give him a goatee. I felt like this for about five minutes on a show a while back. And uh, I wanted to close that chapter on this book. Because I am nothing if not a completist when it comes to my references. And Colin's asking, do we know how Ishimori is? Yeah, we. I'll, I, it's worth mentioning again. We got to it at the very top of the show, so I'll mention it again here. Uh, so far, n- surgery is not needed. They're going to try to heal it with rest. That could always change down the road, depending on how well it heals with rest. As of right now, they don't want to cut on his neck, which is great news. Uh, any Anytime you have to have neck surgery, there's a lot of treacherous complications possible in there uh now no doubt ideal it's just if you can avoid it avoid it and right now they're saying that they might be able to heal it with rest and they're going to try that so right now no surgery for taiji ishimori uh but a lot of rest he's going to have to i would would rule him out for a considerable period of time yeah but you know again with with surgery geez man half the time you end up with something that hurts almost as much or yeah. in different ways uh, after a neck surgery. So yeah. if we can avoid that, let's do it. Just wish him well. Yeah, absolutely. Just a terrific wrestler. And by most accounts, when out of character, decent dude, most people seem to like the guy. So yeah. And then, so, all right. The other thing that happened, it wasn't just that Aussie open has vacated the titles since we last had this show, Aussie open have been announced as new members of the AEW roster. They have been, uh, they are now elite and all that. So this goes back to something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy, which is they are getting a second national television show on Saturday, AEW Collision. They now have five hours of TV to fill a week with Rampage. If you want to count Ring of Honor, it's six. And I guess they feel like they need wrestlers, and I suppose they do. Now they have a roster full of guys who aren't making it on TV uh, now, but None of those guys are really particularly over, and I think a a lot of them don't have a ton of potential to get over. So with this new show, they're going to need new guys, and I mentioned this. This could be a tricky thing for New Japan. It might be a little more difficult to get and keep those two things, get and keep really good foreign talent, just because now there's even another national television show that has to be filled with charismatic performers. Mm -hmm. Aussie opener, certainly that. 
Tony Khan understands a great tag team when he sees one, and he snatched him up as, as soon as he could. They, even though Mark Davis is injured right now, they still signed him. And, you know, they had that match with Kyle Fletcher and and uh, what was it, Orange, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and terrific job uh, Kyle did in that match right there, which with you know, the fun. immediate graphic of being all elite afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I guess I guess he signed the contract during the match at one point when he was thrown out of the ring. Strike while the iron hot. To to be to give Tony Khan credit though. I understand that he paid for the surgery, the MCL surgery. For, oh, good. Uh, yeah, for the uh, for Davis. Wow, cool. That's nice. And uh, you know, I, t- Tony understands that that's a great team. I don't blame him for signing him. It it does make me a little bit worried uh, that uh, the really good foreign talent might not be available. That now, because they're in AEW, doesn't mean they can never be in New Japan. Not even close. We're seeing all kinds of crossover. But as far as just being tour after tour after tour and a consistent one i don't know I mean, that, that, you may be seeing them tricky. on new japan strong domestic shows more than you're seeing them on uh main new japan shows uh on the regular if not the big shows just just regular booking on on new japan is gone their priority mm-hmm. is is aew i will be okay for the big program that they show up because they were fast getting to the point where they were they were big match stars that go. shouldn't have been on the mid card all that much longer. Colin mentions the AEW is huge. There definitely needs to be some brand split of some sort. Yeah, we're, they're not sure if they're going to do that or just kind of keep people apart. There, there are certain people that can't be with other people in AEW. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, without getting into all that, because we we only have a ninety minute minefield. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that. I think you're right. I think there's going to be a group of guys that are mostly on Saturdays and mostly on Wednesdays. And just like with WWE, there's probably going to be some crossover, whether they admit that there is or not, but you know, I- it's a thing where Aussie open and I love this one. Here's the tin. Let's go into the tinfoil hat thing from Brad here. I like it. Tinfoil hat ghetto allows Tony Khan to sign these talents since AEW can pay more with the caveat that they will work at JPW when needed. The only issue with that is if you're the guy paying them, you decide when and where they work. And Here's the thing about Aussie Open. They're really friggin' good. So oh, where, if where, Tony where? gets them and then he starts saying, hmm, these guys are great, I'm going to put them in a major program and ba- and put a either put them in the tag team title picture or give them a major feud, and all of a sudden it's a little trickier to say, huh, I don't know, Ghetto, I, I kind of need them there. I can't really let them go for three weeks for a tour here. I don't know. You, know, you start to see them less and less and only on special occasions. And I, I think that Aussie opener talented enough to get over uh, to the point that maybe we don't see him as much in Japan, which is unfortunate, but, and maybe I'm just uh, glass half empty on that from a new Japan here, perspective. Here, they're they're awfully good. I don't see them floundering to the point where Tony Khan just says, yeah, take him for a few weeks. If, if I could book this the way I want to book is FTR faces the winner of the Dominion match. Right. And they take the titles. So FTR has all three titles, the, the strong, the IWGP, and the AEW titles. After that, Aussie Open returns and challenges them for all in at Wembley. And they take all the titles. And then on sparse defenses here and there going through the World Tag League, uh, Aussie Open is around. Perhaps they drop the AEW titles so that they're not the focus of the division there. You take them to Wrestle Kingdom, and then you figure it out from there. But I do feel like the rest of 2023 with New Japan 
while not as frequent, will be important for them and they will be a huge factor of it. The other thing I wanted to point out with all this as we were speaking about United Empire is that Will Ospreay came out with an interview today with Chris Van Vliet of on Insight, and he said that he is expecting to work out something with New Japan Pro Wrestling in the foreseeable future because he does not want to move to America and the lifestyle that he wants to lead is contingent on that. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a lock with New Japan, but this is strong negotiating power for him to make it clear what he wants out of the future. And if New Japan can make that work, he will want to be with New Japan. The ball is in New Japan's court. They're giving him all. He's giving them all the information about what they need, what he needs to make it work. Uh, is Osprey important enough to do that for them? I sure as hell hope so. But, you know, we don't know until we know. So we'll see how this all turns out. And and it's I, I'm rooting for there to be cooperation so that these people can make their appearances back and forth and things. But uh, I, I do I do worry a little bit. So that's, we'll see how it goes. Oh, we'll totally see. fair to worry. Like, Everything can change in an instant with the talent that is available at New Japan. Seven years ago, every time you turn around, a talent was getting poached by for WWE for their true. developmental territory, and That's they were true. looking for the next people up. We may be in a similar scenario, but at least this time with AEW, there is an opportunity for cooperation so that the door isn't closed and you say goodbye forever. The Jay White thing really changed the dynamic of how they have to work through when a talent leaves because they uh, they created some unnecessary barriers that made a little more headed with booking that they needed to. And they're going to have to work that out in the near future. My only reason for being skeptical of that scenario you laid out for the tag team titles is we just went through half a year where they couldn't get the hands on their own tag team champions. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if you get AEW contract to talent and just give them the belts and hope that you can make deals for them to come sure. and make defenses again uh, two years in a row. Is it about maybe ghetto just thinks, well, we can feature other titles. If it's a big moment though, and they were able to really put a spotlight on that in front of 65,000 people, sometimes you just got to do it. And uh, Brad mentions we're going to be seeing some more Desperado stateside that he's going from the best of Super Juniors tournament to the Tournament of Survival for Game Changer Wrestling this weekend in Atlantic City. So The 12th uh, and final entrant, I read. And uh, let's just hope that he doesn't base... Well, he's been to the United States before, so he's not going to base all the U.S. on Atlantic City. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, he's going to be there for Game Changer. That'll be a big... Uh, That'll be a big deal for him, too. That'll be a nice little thing. Uh, introduction to him to a, a, an audience that is probably aware of him. Maybe haven't seen uh, everything he can do. Uh, only some of that crowd will have seen some uh, New Japan World. So they're going to get a look at Despy, which is cool. Uh, and, he, uh, he deserves <laughs> to be a talent of higher recognition right now. And Colin mentions that Osprey needs to stay with New Japan. Hey, preaching to the, preaching to the choir here. I want to. Do you want to talk about Altogether now, or do you want to talk about Dominion? Let's go with Dominion because Dominion is this Sunday. It's coming up. Bottom of the card to or top of the card? Uh, we will start at the main event and work back. Got it. There's my coughing fit. I knew it was coming sooner or later. <clears throat> so I don't know how people talk for three hours on the radio. Like it's that amazing, isn't it? You got you got to get like <clears throat> some type of soothing cranberry drink that just that just is uh I don't know how they do it. I do not know. <clears throat> Seems like I always end up. I thought I was losing my voice on a Sunday and I was worried because I wasn't talking all that much yesterday and still a little dry today, but <laughs> I'm, I'm persevering. 
that Vegas air too, man. It, it, oh God. It, it's, it's funny that there's a cliche you hear all the time. Well, it's a dry heat. It is very, very different. And it will just, it, it's not just that you, your sweat evaporates. It draws it out of you. It's like you're covered in, it's like you're covered in salt. You just come through and you, you it just. And the mildly ashen air. <laughs> well, I, I have a, I have a reason for that too. Very, very, very quickly. And then we'll get back to wrestling, but because it's so hot. People have tried every plant and tree in the world to try to establish a little bit of shade. And that, that way, no matter what you're allergic to, it's there in Las Vegas hey. for you somewhere. So <laughs> there's because there's no native trees, everything's imported. And so if you live there, it's like if you're allergic to anything, somebody has brought a that cocktail tree antihistamine. <laughs> yeah, and try to irrigate it and do everything you can to kind of get it set up so that people aren't just sitting there. Baking. Tell me how you really feel, Stephen. <laughs> no, it's true. And it's, oh, it's why that, there's tremendous allergies in uh, Vegas. You wouldn't think you think you'd move to the desert to get away from the allergies and it doesn't work in las vegas because almost everything's in the air out there it's something i've learned i uh, ended up in a uh, casino that allowed smoking in the uh, casino area so I almost all of them are still of... smoking they're all Not still smoking all except them, for a couple but yeah I, I wasn't in a whole lot but my home my home hotel had had smoking inside and well, you're, you're not there. You're not there anymore. No one will knock no, at your door. Which no, which no. casino did you guys stay in? For? Uh, I went. I looked at the New York, New York by myself. Okay. Yeah, New York, yeah. New York's not bad. No, it's fine. I, it's central to everything. It was a yeah. whole base to get wherever I needed to go. And man, the I show, walked the show everywhere. was a T-Mobile, right? The show was right a T-Mobile? next, right next door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the Cosmopolitan had a sweet party. There was a great dinner at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, this there and everywhere. It was just a great time. Cool. All right, Dominion. And that is going to be June 4th on Sunday at Osaka Joe Hall, the big building now. No, no more uh, little Eddie on gymnasium. Uh, we are in the big building. And uh, they mentioned that the G1 Climax lineups will be announced at Dominion. So we will get uh, at least a look at who's going to be in the tournament this year. So look forward to seeing uh, what uh, surprises may be in store. So uh, Claudio, Claudio. They made a point to, to explain exactly where on the card they were going to tell you yeah. the G1 was. And I think that might have been by design. It's about halfway through, right? Uh, yeah, right after I believe the evil match. We'll get there. It's yeah, we'll get to that. And so, yeah, and uh, we're look at this. Sanada taking on Yota Suji, returning from excursion, his first match back for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So we have not seen Yota Suji since he speared the living hell out of Sanada and laid out the entire group of just five guys. This makes me think, that I I believe Yoda Suji is going to win this match. And here's my thought process on this, Jeremy. I think that if they were going to have him lose, they would have put him in the preview tags and have him steamroll everybody all the way to the match just to make him look like a world beater so that when Sonata wins, he can win by the skin of his teeth, hit his big move, escape with the title, and say, man, I just beat this monster of a guy that just came back. The fact that they aren't doing any of that, that no preview tags, nothing to build him up, makes me think he's actually going to go over because if we don't see him for years, he has that big entrance where he surprises everybody and then just loses his first match. I'm not saying it's impossible because I know Jay White lost to Tanahashi you know, when he first came in. I get all that. I just feel like with Yoda Suji being in Japan right now, and of course he went back after a little bit and worked for CMLL a little, but he could have made a preview tag on this semifinals or finals night and just have him kill everybody. And they didn't do it. And it just makes me think that maybe this is a launch of Yoda Suji right here. 
And uh, just that that's just my thought on that. I just feel like if he were going to lose, they would have worked a little harder to make him look great before the main event here that he's having. So uh, my early thought is we might see a title change right here. Sonata has already gotten what he needs to get out of that title. And, and if Sonata keeps the belt, I got no problem with it. He's a terrific wrestler, and I like this new iteration of him. I'm just reading tea leaves a little bit, and perhaps I'm overthinking it. But I'm kind of predicting a title switch here. I don't know. For me, I was, I was thinking about who needs this win more. And right now, I'm thinking Sonata needs this win more. Well, Brad agrees with yeah. Essentially, Yoda Suji is a blank slate. If he mm-hmm. wins or if he loses, his ceiling is still undefined. Okay. If Sonata wins or loses, his ceiling is more defined. He is the guy that had one title defense and couldn't make it through. And going into the G1, he would need quite the campaign for rehabilitation. Yoda Suji okay. doesn't necessarily need now, hmm. I'm going to go to mute okay. right now because my dog is going <laughs> yes. wild. But my logic is Sonata is going to win this one because he needs to win. By the way, folks, this is not the first time his dog has gone nuts when talking about Sonata on this show. And I'm not joking about that. If you go back to when his dog has his little pets, it's often about uh, Sonata. So there you have it. Uh, apparently a big Sonata fan, but that's all right. Uh, Brad agrees with you. He says this is a very interesting main event. I think Sonata needs to win more than Yoda does right now. Both of you make really good points about that, by the way. Yeah. I'm just saying that it really bothered me in not bothered me, but it, it affected my thinking that there were no previews at all from him. Sure. Uh, so where does Sonata it's a completely go? Completely different dynamic that they're taking mm. to, to tell you uh, when we were chatting about this on the discord, I wondered if Yoda Suji was the Jeff Cobb of LIJ. Mm. Well, that's another point. He's not officially a member of LIJ. In fact, right. LIJ has not acknowledged him at all so far. So it's I'm very curious to see if they are if he actually is a member of he LIJ. He did do the fifth, but no he one did. has really tacitly said no. anything. He hasn't been around. No. But, and Naito hasn't said a peep. That's not unusual. But Hiromu hasn't said a peep. Shingo Takagi hasn't said a peep. You, about him. If you if you establish him and you leave the mystique that he could go all the way to the top on his first night and he doesn't, that's not a big deal. But like you've set that tone of him being able to reach that peak on the first night. You've almost made him in a way where winning the title is putting more pressure on him than you need. It's uh, interesting, though, and I go back to the Jay White thing because he lost his first attempt sure. to Tanahashi. But my point on Jay White is that it's not apples and apples because Jay winning that title wasn't the story. Jay upending chaos was the story and turning on Okada and turning with ghetto and all that. So him losing to Tanahashi was more to show that he wasn't content in chaos either. So it's a different story here. He doesn't come in as part of a faction and, and things. So, uh, and Brandon well, you were right on the, you were right on the Watto thing. And I am, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm 100% 50, 50 on this. It could go either way and it could go horribly right or horribly wrong, depending on how they move forward. But it is a wild time in Dominion and you just don't all that. He'll go mute for a second here while he gets that together. I think LIJ coming out during the previous show was done for this match, writes Brad. They come out for the new guy, Yota, but they didn't when Sonata was there. Makes it more interesting. Yeah, that you know that this whole thing about them coming out uh, with for one another now is a real interesting dynamic because it never happened during Sonata. And in fact, when Sonata debuted, when 
evil debuted uh it was because they were interfering in each other's matches when they stopped that they didn't really support each other much in fact there were a couple of times there were awkward beatdowns of lij guys where you're sitting there wondering where the hell is the rest of this faction why aren't they helping each other and uh it's an odd it was odd and it felt weird and now that they're all out of ringside with one another is, is it because sonata isn't there or in reaction to sonata leaving you know like i said this is them thinking we need to support each other now. We need to learn from losing Sonata. Or was the whole thing was we weren't coming out there partially because of Sonata. <laughs> Maybe he was kind of a divisive force is how they could play it. So both are very, very good possibilities and fascinating, isn't it? I mean, to have a young lion come back, look as impressive as he has in his match with Tomohiro Ishii and then in his return angle where he challenged Sonata uh, to main eventing the second biggest show of the year. Uh, this is the New Japan so SummerSlam. I felt so good about him when he came out of that Royal Quest match. Oh, yeah. He just looked great. And really he, reminded me, he reminded me of like a Chris Jericho, just a bigger Chris Jericho. And now he's coming off like Edge and Roman Reigns. Like these are all big star vibes that he's carrying off for himself. And it's like, it's, it's very difficult to emulate that. He's shown main event charisma in Mexico as well, which is 100%. not an easy place to show main event charisma. Just ask some of the people that have been there on excursions. So that's the world heavyweight title match. And then we have a very interesting junior heavyweight title match, Hiromu Takahashi against Master Wato. If Wato goes all the way and wins the junior heavyweight title, I'm okay with it. I don't think he needs to. I think we have seen each step of the way help him. I think he was helped by that four-way performance at the Tokyo Dome. I think he is helped already by winning the best of the Super Juniors 30. I don't think he has to win this one, Jeremy. Wouldn't bother me if he did. Hiromu is, I've mentioned it over and over again, he's Liger. He can be. He can come in and out of the title picture, and it always makes sense. And uh, he can be, he's going to have to be the guy that ultimately puts people over. He's the only guy that can really say this dude is a main eventer because he beat Hiromu. Uh, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen at Dominion. I think Hiromu can win this one and move on with the belt if they decide to. I think the job done, mission accomplished with making Master Wado a main eventer off of this. So uh, if they want to go all the way with him, fine. You know, Hiromu isn't hurt by losing to anyone. He's a made man. But uh, he doesn't have to win this one, and I'm leaning a little bit more towards Takahashi. It's close, though. This is what I meant by all bets are off. It like you could go either guy winning on both yeah. of these two, the sub main event and the main event, and I'm not sure how much the the overall landscape of New Japan really changes. Hiromu's still going to be a made guy. Even if he doesn't have that title, he's going to be in high-profile matches. Yeah. Watto, he could really use this, and I feel like this is the time to elevate somebody really, really new that hasn't been taken to that level before. And there are a number of matches on the card that don't have the opportunity to really elevate a guy more than they already have been besides these top two matches. So if one of them wins over the champion, I kind of think the other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. And if I'm leaning towards Yoda not winning, I would kind of go towards uh, Watto winning. But it could go, like I said, it could go either way, and I could just be completely reading the situation wrong. And we come back the next week, and we're talking about what great matches they were and how excited we are for the direction. <laughs> I'm going to make a point that even argue with argues that argues with myself because I think it is fair to point it out. 
here's how little Hiromu Takahashi actually needs the junior heavyweight title. He was the biggest junior heavyweight star in the company all of the second half of last year, and he lost the match at Dominion, and Taiji Ishimori was the champion. Right. And, but Hiromu was easily the biggest star in that division without the belt. And there so, are opportunities there for him to have matches that are special and maybe much more up in the air about the result if he didn't have the title. And Brad says, if New Japan's serious about doing this youth movement, Wato wins here. Yeah, I mean, it's close. I'm I'm leaning slightly toward Hiromu only because I think Suji might win. But, you know, yeah, it's close. And I like I said, seven title matches on this card. Some champions are going to win, some aren't. So there's, uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to have switches, even if you don't do it here. Or, or this could be one of them. Who knows? Speaking of which, <clears throat> never open weight six-man title. Oh, look at that. How high up? Big time and, and high up on the card for this belt. But look at the star power in this one. We have the champions, Kazushika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii against Claudio Castagnoli, Shota Umino, and John Moxley. I have been thinking about this match. I have no idea who might win, who might lose, who takes the fall, who gets the fall. I'm just looking forward to this one like crazy. I can't wait for this. This is this is the single most exciting match that I've been looking forward to in the last two months. Oh. Uh, since they began this tease of uh, Okada teaming with Tanahashi and Ishii versus the Strong Style faction, speaking of Strong Style, <laughs> uh, this has been very quietly the best feud in wrestling. Um, I know that you have the anarchy and the arena stuff between the elite. This is very much adjacent to it, but the energy and the and the vibe and the motivation of everybody involved all is different. And it's very low key and complex how the, the, the separate factors are, are coming into this. And I feel like we are just at the tip of the iceberg of just how cool this is going to be. And this is, this is the opening. This is not even the opening salvo. The, the resurgence match was the opening salvo, but things are escalating and they will continue to escalate. And that is, basically my feelings on the matter and i am just just please make this happen yeah, i don't think this is going to be a blow off of any kind i think Not we're things later on so yeah and i mean as far as the best storyline in wrestling i'm gonna stick with the bloodline Sami Zayn, kevin owens type thing which has been amazing but this has been special it's been fun to watch and see the twists and turns it's got a lot of uh, layers to this you have the like you said the elite versus blackpool combat club in the u.s which weaves through Shoto Amino sticking his nose into it and Okada getting into it and things. So it's all going to come together somewhere. It'll be fun. And the fantastic thing about it is Shota has been positioned front and center for so much of this. Yeah, Moxley is the boogeyman and the specter of him arriving is there. But Shota has looked strong. You saw that table spot from, mm -hmm. from the other match. Uh, they are not they're not messing around that this is just kid stuff. And uh, Okada's tacit frustration and annoyance with these young wrestlers coming to challenge him is just one of the greatest stories of 2023. Chris Charlton with a fantastic line on one of these shows. I wish I could remember. I think it was the semifinals or something where he said, Okada has a new baby. And he says, hey, I got enough kids at home. I don't have to deal with you pricks. You know, now here, I don't want to listen to it. Uh, I love that. And then, then that whole attitude of, of Okada just being irritated you know not it's, it's not hatred toward umino although it's getting there but his whole thing is just like you little shit you know like i do not have to deal with you you are not i'm too old for this shit <laughs> yeah they, like what are you doing out here you know you did you got to earn your way up here as a kid you know and then now he's just getting annoyed with him. It, it's it's 
really fun to watch. And uh, Brad writes, do you think Shooter's too Tanahashi-like as he is now while also having the attitude of John Moxley? And- I think that's how you have to be in 2023 if you want to be a Tanahashi-like. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's mixing in the right attitude with it. I I, I kind of like this that he's not. Uh, he's he still dresses like Tanahashi and the hair like Tanahashi and things, but he's starting to act a little more like Mox and I a little think bit of thug come, life John Cena in there as well. <laughs> I think it's going to come to a crossroads at some point in this feud where he's going to drop one or the other and just be uh, one of those things. And he's, I think it's the battle for his soul a little bit here. Is he is he a Moxley or is he a Tanahashi? And uh, Colin thinks BCC wins this one with the Okada Amino feud continuing. Yep, I think you're right. And uh, well, I think you're right that the feud's going to continue. I don't know who's going to win this match because I'm looking at these six guys. Someone has to get pinned. It almost seems like Ishii is the one that would take the least damage, but it's uh, it could go anywhere. I mean, they might have Amino beat Okada just to have him lose his shit completely. You know, it it, it could be that. It could be Okada beating. Umino again and Moxley attacking Okada afterwards. There's so many ways this could go that could continue on. I think there's going to be a very strong Blackpool dominant beginning of the summer that sets up a lot of people getting their revenge on Blackpool by the end. And so you don't do this match unless you're going to do a title change or unless a title change or there are really big things coming out of it. Um and going into Forbidden Door, if you know these three people had a uh, these two AEW wrestlers were to carry a title, that's the kind of thing that is good cross promotion for the two brands, if you will, to really set a spotlight. And uh, them walking around with never titles, people wanting to know what that meant. Go watch a show on on New Japan World for ten bucks. You can watch it all all month long before. Forbidden Door 2, it just makes too much sense, you know? The perfect elevation is Shooter pinning Okada while he does the Rainmaker pose again, according to Brad. That would be pretty nice. I love the idea of Shooter getting a win on Okada just to have Okada blow his gasket. Like, that would be the the last draw. And then we have Rampage Okada, which is actually a lot more fun than than we even imagined. uh, But he's torn on this one, and I love it. Yeah, me too. It's, It's really interesting. There's just so many ways it could go, and each one of them has its own benefits and its own uh pathway of rewards and yeah it it has its own rewards yeah good now thank you for saving me there i got stuck (laughs) but uh after that one after that one the never open weight title we have david finlay and el fantasmo we haven't seen much of finlay in a little while off of the best of the super juniors tour and of course uh, el fantasmo going for his revenge on finlay uh this is another one that i think uh, you could make a case for going either direction on and uh, I'm looking forward to it. The the vicious uh, cheating Finlay has been gaining momentum, I think. And Phantasmo might be a really good foil for him. You know, the wrestling's going to be good. I think this is his first title defense for the never open weight title, being leader of Bullet Club. It would be somewhat interesting if he were to lose the title in some type of storytelling back and forth. But I'm kind of leaning towards them continuing to solidify Finley and ELP coming back around around December or January to really uh, maybe take another crack at Finley after Finley diabolically gets through the match this time. And we think El Fantasma's in G1 this year, right? Yes, I believe so. I think so, too. So I think both of these guys will end up in in G1 there. So we will have the uh, three-way match. Speaking of, this is where the G1 announcements will be. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find out what the lineup is at this stage. Of course, we're going backwards, so it'll yes, be before exactly this. Exactly this point. Yeah. So uh, now we have uh, Bishamon versus House of Torture versus 
Heron Hanare and Grado come. The winner of this match will become the new IWGP and NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions. And we said last time that there is a way to set up this three-way. There's a way to set up a babyface victory down the road. And we said last time that we felt like House of Torture might win this. And the more I think about it, too, I fe- I do feel better about that. Bishamon doesn't really need it. Hanare and Okan don't have to have it, although them winning this thing and then waiting for Aussie Open to come back does have an intrigue to me. But uh, this does, with all these big shows coming up down the line, Jeremy, uh, it seems like a way to put this uh, on some heels so that we can get a triumphant uh, title victory down the road. But uh, Bishamon are a tag team safety blanket for New Japan. You can't count them out. And then you do have that interfaction twist with Hanare and Okan. So it's another thing where the booking is so good with Ghetto that you could make a case for any of these three teams. I would be hesitant to do a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom on the second biggest show, just straight up between FTR and Bishamon, even though that match wasn't as good as we would hope for it to be. Um, it would seem kind of a mistake to de-escalate Bishamon from losing or winning. FT- it just doesn't make any sense to do the Bishamon rematch. I think the Aussie Open tease is there to make you want Aussie Open to win this match. I I meant United Empire, uh, Ocon, because of the Aussie Open connection and wanting to wrestle them at some point. So I'm going to go with you. I think it's going to be House of Torture. I think we're going to get some type of mid-Atlantic wrestling match, New Japan style at Forbidden Door against FTR, much like the, uh, the Jarrett match against FTR. Evil and Ujiro doing doing that kind of thing. Hey, when you have a guy whose prime was in the 1980s, you wrestle a 1980s tag team match. That's what you do. Yeah, I just I have I have a feeling that House of Torture versus FTR is probably the most uh, likely of those matches going into Forbidden Door. So I'm going to pick House of Torture. Boy, I tell you what, FTR has had some tough assignments over the years, but getting a good match out of Ujiro Takahashi, you're asking like it, an awful like- lot. Like I was predicting earlier, if we can get that all-in match at Wembley, and this is a route to get there. You know, House of Torture versus uh, dropping those titles, and then it just clears the way for that big Aussie Open moment at Wembley. I I I think that's something that you need to lean into as much as possible. I want to get some comments in here. Colin says, "I hope Phantasmo destroys Jay White Light." (laughs) So he's not quite buying in on Finlay quite yet. Uh, We'll see how that goes. And anyone, Brad says, anyone but House of Torture. Uh, Colin, go back to that one. United Empire for the win. House of Torture must be destroyed. Check out that heat, Stephen. They got heat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. Real heel heat in this business. It doesn't happen very often. Icy. They're so busy. Everyone's so busy trying to be the cool heel. No one wants to get booed. Uh, let's see. We have a TV championship match. We have a rematch. Now, of course, they did what we thought was a good idea. They did a 15-minute draw and established the idea that these title matches can indeed go the time limit and who better than than these two to show us that Zack Sabre Jr. Jeff Cobb rematch for this one the idea of Jeff Cobb being the one to beat Zack Sabre doesn't make a ton of sense to me and I feel like Zack his style works better for the 15 minute time limit I feel like Zack's going to be around a little bit more I, I think this might be where Zack finally gets the win on Cobb after going to the draw the first time that's just my hunch Jeff Cobb would be a perfectly fine television champion, but it doesn't fit 
that style so much to me. The, the, the style of the, the very technical, fast-paced 15-minute match. Cobb is a terrific wrestler. I feel like this is more of a role for Zach. I need to see about 10 to 12, 13 more minutes of this match happily. And I think in order for that to happen, I think Zach Sabre needs to win. Jeff Cobb has bigger plans down the line. I am glad he gets a feature singles match at the second biggest show of the year. Uh, this is a win for everybody. We're all going to have a great time with it. When it's all done, I think it's Zach Sabre Jr. All right, moving on from that, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles, Kevin Knight and Kushida against Catch 2-2, TJP, Francesco Akira. So uh, this one, they, they worked pretty hard in the Best of Super Juniors to make Kushida and Kevin Knight look vulnerable, very vulnerable. And they played up the idea that Kushida had a bad tournament results-wise and that Knight in his first tournament ran into a few obstacles there. And it just seems a little bit too obvious to me. I'm suspicious here. I, I feel a retention coming on just because they've worked so hard to say that Kushida and Kevin Knight aren't strong champions. So uh, on the other hand, if they put the belts back on catch two, two, I'm fine with that. I, I don't have a problem with either team winning the match. My tea leaves are saying that we might get a retention here just to show that Kushida and Knight aren't schmucks. <laughs> I like the story that there are flaws in the game because Kushida's a little bit older and Kevin Knight is a little bit younger and neither of them are in the zone of their prime. But when they're together, they're better than anybody else. I like that story and I hope that they continue with that story because the uh, the Jet Setters are a really fun team and Catch-22 had a really great run, but I think this is more to solidify the Jet Setters by getting a win uh, a concreted win over Catch 2-2 because there's a bright future for Akira as well. And TJP has had a really great best of the Super Juniors, uh, but their elevation is probably to continue to elevate the tag, the Junior Tag Champion instead of elevating themselves. And how strong is this card? Here is the opening match of the night. <laughs> it is the, uh, yeah, we have uh Yeah, this one first. Night, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm on okay. <laughs> I guess we have uh, Naito, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Titan against uh, Taichi, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Taichi, and or Takamichi Noku. No. Is it Taka? It is, isn't it? Taichi. It's Taka. Taichi, Taka, and Doki. Uh, so I guess we know who's losing this one. <laughs> but uh, LIJ and Just Five Guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat this too much. Kind of done with the LIJ versus just five guys. I was done right about now. three weeks ago. I thought after like that match between Kanata and Hiromu, we we're going to wrap this up. And then we're still wrestling each other here, aren't we? We're uh, going, so, huh? <laughs> yeah, still going. I mean, it, there's just every five guys, the, five months of the feud. I mean, either Bushi or Taka are dropping the fall, like always. I just don't see a whole lot coming out of this one. And I, I suppose that Taichi. Naito, Shingo are all going to be part of G1 and they can move on to other things after that. But uh, this will be a match on the card. Yeah, just spotlighting people to look good before they're announced for the G1, probably. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the next one, there, here we go. Here's the opener. The opener. Here. The finals for the IWGP US title contenders tournament. So, of course, so you got Lance on this one, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's who's going to Wembley to or uh, to Forbidden Door to face Kenny Omega. It's going to be Lance Archer and Kenny Omega. 
what could be a bigger match than that? Oh, wait, I got one. Uh, it's going to be the winner of this one, Will Ospreay, uh, coming back. Hopefully his shoulder is in good shape. Uh, if not, he's with a pro that can handle it and probably take care of him. Lance is a very Lance is a much smarter worker than people give him credit for. So this is the finals of the number one contender to the IWGP US. Winner gets a shot at Kenny Omega's IWGP US title. The longest tournament in the world. <laughs> Five entrants. There shall only be one when all is said and done. <laughs> yeah, this should be Will, obviously, to set up that Omega rematch that we've all been dying for here. So, Oh, Your funny thoughts? story before we, uh, before we finish this off. I yes, ran please. into Juke Robinson at the airport. Did you really? I did. That's cool. How was, was he? Did you talk to him? Line. I was at the security line going through the checkpoint right before the dog. He and Tony got moved into the line because they were in a different security thing. They were right in front of me. I debated it for a second, and then I turned around and said, excuse me, I'm only going to tell you this, and I'm going to leave you alone. I thought you two were tremendous in your resurgence match in New Japan last week, and I hope you have a great day. And they said, thank you. And then we laughed over a dog at the security line, and that was that. Oh, what a heartwarming story. That's a nice little thing. You met the Good Robinsons. People. Good people. the Robinsons. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he's, he's a good dude. So uh, let's get a couple of comments in as we uh, get close to running out of time here. Uh, oh, there it is. Okay. Colin mentions uh, he's looking, he was referring to the TV title match here. I'm looking forward to this. Their last match was awesome. Yep. Agreed. Uh, we're, we're two really talented guys are going to have a nice little tight 15 minute match here. And, uh, and Brad mentions, I know during the last match, Chris Charlton was playing up how Cobb was winning matches in under 10 minutes. I wonder if that was foreshadowing, but I want uh, Zach Sabre Jr. to retain. Interesting point. There you go. Maybe they have been. Uh... I wonder, I wonder if, uh... oh, read the next call from Colin Matthew. Sorry. Colin, uh, Lance gets screwed all the time, but you're right. Osprey's winning. Yeah. You know, Lance, uh, boy, for a guy that's pretty darn good and he's, he's got size, he has charisma, he can wrestle. And no one seems to want the two for anybody. Like he goes to AEW, they forget him and they just don't use him very much. They stuck him with Jake Roberts, who had no idea how to get someone else over other than, you know, there's a difference between being a good talker and a good manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jake was not, and Jake was great at getting himself over. And I don't mean that that Jake is some sort of selfish bastard, although, well, you know, uh, <laughs> but I wonder Jake, Jake Lance... wasn't good at getting Lance over. And then he just kind of faded away. And, you know, it, he was in WWE. And I, I said this at the time very quickly here. Size, working ability, anything. Show me one thing that Baron Corbin does better than Lance Archer. And yet they pick right. Corbin. And, 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 you know, AEW show. There are guys that are so much better. He's so much better than some of the guys that they have wandering around out there on Dynamite, and they don't use them. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I like Lance, but you know, I, and he's I a honestly, Texas guy, you know, so maybe I'm biased. I honestly wondered, and he agreed to do the whole tournament and get booked to it. That he was going to, that he knew that he was going to be losing in the opening match uh, at Dominion. <laughs> well, eh, you know, yeah, not great. Uh, we go. did not get to the preview of Altogether now. Uh, we yeah. will get to that next week. Uh, a number of matches were added. There's only one I think that they should add that they have not added yet, but we will have the full preview next week. And that is the good-looking guy from Noah versus just five guys from oh. New Japan. That they still are beating be, hearts. That should be the match that they book next if they do it at all. It's at too, all. too sexy for one show, that one right there. So, also, by the way, on the pre show, there will be a young lion gauntlet. I don't think we're going to be seeing that on the broadcast, though, at uh, Dominion, but it'll give them a little bit of uh, ring time in front of a big crowd. I'm sure it's going to be a huge crowd at Osaka Joe Hall. It looks like it's going to be a strong one and a good card. So, there you go. 
Well, Jeremy, you ready to wrap this one up? Yeah, you can find me at Jer Firestone on Twitter. You can email GG at Fight Game Media for a Discord invite to talk New Japan with me and other people. And Stephen Conway, what do you got? Uh, at Stephen Conway 88 for my Twitter. And of course, next week here on the show, we will have a complete breakdown match by match of what should be a fantastic Dominion card. We will look ahead to all together again. And we should have some more information about what's going on a little bit down the road, perhaps with some Forbidden Door info and any other. Definitely G1 results. Yeah, we'll have a G1 lineup to examine. So plenty to do as always. So with that in mind, for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate the support we've gotten from this wonderful audience we have. We look forward to talking to you again next week. We'll see you then. Have a good one. Thanks for watching. Speaking of Strong Style.